In our men's lunch, if you've been coming, we've been looking at great men of the Bible. Uh, we spent five weeks looking at the life of Abraham, the man of faith. The Bible calls him that, the father of our faith, the man of our faith, uh, Abraham. Then we spent, uh, we're, we've spent five weeks looking at the life of Moses. Today's actually going to be the, the fifth week, the final week that we're looking at, this man, Moses, uh, a man that the Bible says that God spoke to as a friend. And we've talked about what a tremendous thing uh, to, to have such a relationship with God that you're actually recorded in Scripture as a friend of God. And so again, uh, we've been spending these five weeks, this is the fifth week looking at the life of Moses. Next week, we're going to start on one of my favorites, and that is the life of Joshua, uh, probably my favorite Old Testament book, and we're going to spend five weeks looking at, at his life as well. Well, today as we come and we wrap up the, the study of Moses we, we come to the end of his life and, and thinking about all these things, and really there's so much recorded in Scripture about the things that Moses did and how God used them. Uh, I come to the question I want to ask, what is the greatest thing about Moses? Uh, we could probably answer that pretty easily about some other folks, but it, maybe it's a little harder thing for us to evaluate when we come to Moses. What is, what is the greatest thing in the life of, of Moses? Was it his obedience? Uh, was it his faith? Was it his commitment? Uh, he had some hard things, and it wasn't just for a, a short period of time. It wasn't just for a flash of time, but it was over a whole lot of years. Uh, was it the fact that God used him to deliver his people, that he was a tool in the hand of God? What is the greatest thing about Moses? Remembering his life, think about uh, all of, all of the, the things that went on. Uh, God calls him miraculously. Uh, he's out there at Midian in the middle of nowhere and he calls him in the form of a burning bush. Uh, he, after that, is, is actually a, a tool in the hand of God. God saves his people. God hears the cries of his people. God delivers his people. But he uses this guy, he uses this man, Moses. And, and that's a tremendous thing. Uh, really, he serves uh, at, at, a lot, at a lot of points as a mediator uh, between the people and God. And, and sometimes he's having to go and say, you know what, uh, here's what the people are saying. And he's having to represent the people to God. And then a lot of times he's having to represent God to the people. And he's telling the people what God has said. And really he's in this pretty tough space of being in the middle of those two folks. And so he's between God and the people and the people and God. And he acts in this, in this go-between uh, mediation role. Think about all of the things that he has seen. Uh, the plagues in Egypt, the Nile rivers that turns the blood, the Passover lamb, uh, the wails of the people as they, as they cry out, uh, the Red Sea. And, and sometimes I think we lose uh, the, the depth of the Red Sea. Uh, they leave and God delivers and they get pressed up against this sea and they're honestly going to die. If God doesn't do something, they're going to die. And, and on this side of them, there's an army. And the army is pretty marvelous. The army's set uh, with the intent to kill them. And behind them is, a, is this giant sea. And they are stuck if God doesn't act. And, and God stands the sea up. They pass through on dry ground. Uh, he delivers his people again. And then he crushes the Egyptian army uh, underneath that sea. Tremendous thing uh, can you imagine Moses saw that? Then uh, as they travel, the manna. You know what? You're hungry. You'll wake up and there'll be manna. And then, you know what? We're getting tired of the manna and you wake up and there's going to be quail 
as well. And, and then you just keep going, uh, the Ten Commandments that he brings down. And the, the Bible says that Moses was glowing just having been in the, in the presence of God. All of these great things. And then in the midst of that, we remember, we, we've seen it, uh, he was still just a man. He got mad, he sinned, he did the wrong thing, he failed just, just like us. He was just a man. And there were consequences for his sin. Sometimes you think, well, you know what? If anybody's going to get a pass, surely a guy like Moses would. But there are consequences for the sins that Moses commits. Now, when you think about all of that, I come back to that question again. So what is the greatest thing about Moses? If we're to take something away, what is the greatest thing about Moses? When we get through today, I think you're going to see the greatest thing about Moses. Today we come to his last day on earth. It is a strange day. It is a very profound day. The things that happen, they are very, very profound. And I'll just tell you this. Honestly, I'm not sure how to take this day. And we'll, we'll read the verses, and I'm not sure really what I think of, of, of the, the events of this day. A very strange day, the last day in the life of Moses. Now, to understand what's going to happen here, you have to understand, you have to remember the context. Remember, in the wilderness, they're traveling, they're out of water, they're literally dying of thirst, and God gives Moses some very specific instructions. He says, you know what? Before the, the nation, before the people of Israel, if you will speak to this rock, water will come out of it. And they'll, and they'll be able to water themselves and water their animals. And they're going to see from that that I am the, God, the, the, the Lord their God. They're going to see that I'm with them. They're going to see that they can trust me. And so he gives them very specific instructions. But remember the account. Moses is pretty upset uh, they're stuck between the people that are, that are griping all the time and, and having to bring God's word down. And so the, the Bible tells us that in pride, he strikes the rock. God said, speak to the rock in front of the nation and water will come out. Well, he takes his staff and he strikes the rock. In fact, he strikes it twice. Well, God says on that day, because you did not treat me as holy, you will die and you'll not go into the promised land. Because you didn't treat me as holy, you will not go into the promised land. You will die, and you'll not pass over into the promised land. Now, I start to think right there, man, that seems hard. Doesn't that seem hard? Years of leading God's people, years of dealing with these folks, years of walking in obedience, years of trying to do the right thing. And on this one day, he has this one issue and God says, you know what, you're not going to go into the promised land. I, I read that and I think, you know what, God, this is your guy. This is, this is your servant. Do you, do you see all the things that he's been through, all the, the things that he's done? Let me, let me tell you this. Sometimes because of the grace of God, we sometimes tend to forget the holiness of God. And what I mean by that is sometimes we begin to think, you know what, God's going to forgive me and God, God's going to forgive whatever I do. And we begin to be very flippant with God. And we start to treat God like, you know what, he's my servant. And you know what, I'll, I'll tell him what I'm going to do and I'll tell him how I'm going to do it. You know what, and when I sin, I'll tell him how he's going to forgive me for it. 
and we really start to treat God like he's some sort of, of supernatural genie that's going to have to jump when we call. And we forget the awesomeness of God. We forget the power of God. We forget the holiness of God. He's not like us. He doesn't need us. We, we forget to marvel at our God. Well, I'm going to read the verses, Deuteronomy chapter 32, the verses where God's explaining what's getting ready to happen. Verses 50, 51, and 52. Now listen to the verses. He's talking to Moses. He's telling him this is what's going to happen. Then die on the mountain where you ascend and be gathered to your people. As Aaron, your brother, died on Mount Or and was gathered to his people. Because you broke faith with me in the midst of the sons of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin, because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the sons of Israel. For you shall see the land at a distance, but you shall not go there into the land which I am giving the sons of Israel. You'll see the promised land, but you won't cross into the promised land. You'll die before you go into the promised land. Why? Here's what I think. Notice when the, the actual sin takes place and then now in the retelling of the sin, both of those times it says, because you did this before the sons of Israel. Now, what, what I believe that's talking about is, you know what, the whole nation w- was watching. And I, I think his actions slandered God. I think his actions disrespected God. I think his actions made little of God. God says, you know what? I'm going to prove to them that I'm their deliverer. I'm going to prove that I'm with them. And the actions of Moses actually made very little of God. With the whole nation watching, he says, God, it's going to be this way. And God, you said do it this way, but I'm going to do it like this. And I believe with the whole nation watching, he, he makes little and he slanders God. I wonder what our actions say of God. Somebody to follow you around, follow me around. I wonder what our lives would reflect of God. Would they say, you know what, he's holy? You know what, he's kind and he's gracious to sinners? You know what, he's, he's worth following? He's wise in all of his ways? Or would they say something else? I believe the punishment was this strict because he made little of God in the eyes of of the entire nation. All right, we move to the very last day. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 34, the very last day in the life of Moses. He is now 120 years old. He is standing on the edge of the promised land, which, which really we can't understand the hugeness of that. Over 440 years ago, God's people left the promised land, the land that was promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, the land that, that flowed with milk and honey. And now here he stands and he's on the edge of the promised land. The last day in the life of Moses, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse one says this. Now Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land. Now Moses went up from the plains, the the floor of the desert there in Moab, to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land. 
First verse is pretty interesting because we see God is with him. It says God showed him. Now, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if, if God's behind him or if God's beside him. I don't know what his presence is, is, is made known like in this, in this situation. But God is with Moses and God says, here's the promised land. That, that really kind of gives me goosebumps. God himself, the land that is promised to Abraham. Here before your eyes, Moses, this is what we're talking about. This is the land. This is the promised land. Now I want you to think about all that he sees. Listen as I read the verses. And the Lord showed him all the land. Gilead as far as Dan. Listen to these names. Gilead as far as Dan. And Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh. And all the land of Judah as far as the western sea. And the Negev and the plain of the valley of Jericho. And the city of the palm trees as far as Zor. Think about what he sees there from this perch. Here he is on Nebo, this mountain. It says, the first thing he says, he can see Gilead. And when I, I hear that, I think of the old, the old spiritual, we don't sing it much anymore. There is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. From that perch, he peers and he sees Naphtali, which is the, which is the area of Galilee the place where the boy Jesus would grow up. He sees Capernaum, the city where Jesus one day will go into that city and he'll preach that the kingdom of God is at hand. He, he sees the Sea of Galilee, the, the, the place where he's gonna find Peter and, and James and John and he's gonna find them casting their nets and he's gonna call them to be fishers of men. He sees the very sea where, where Jesus is gonna calm the storm. He sees Ephraim and Manasseh. And he sees the, the, the Jordan River there perched before him as it flows and it's make, it makes its way to the south. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. He sees the Jordan River there from his perch and the, 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 the river they'll cross to go into the promised land. It says they see all of the land of Judah, Jericho. All of the land of Judah, he sees the place where, where one day there's going to be a great city called the, the city of God, Zion, Jerusalem, the place where the, the temple will be built. And so there from his perch, he sees this place where, where Jerusalem will spring up. Outside of that, he sees a little town, that, a place where a little town will grow called Bethlehem, the city of David, where Jesus will be born. There he stands on Nebo and he looks down at the promised land and God himself says, here's the promised land. Now, I'm sure he couldn't distinguish it. I'm sure he couldn't see it. But if he were able to focus his eye there on this, this place where the city of Jerusalem is gonna, is gonna spring up, there will be a little hill that looks like a skull. Calvary, a place where his redemption, his redemption would be purchased. And God takes him to the top of this mountain and he shows him the promised land as it spreads out before him. Verse four. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give to your descendants. I have let you, talking to Moses, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. I'm going to be honest with you. Here's a verse I don't like. Here's, here's a verse I can't understand. 
And sometimes I, don't, I, don't, I know I'm not fit for that. And I know I wouldn't do it. But I, sometimes I think about somebody ought to, ought to plead the case for Moses. Look what he did all these years. Look what he did. Yes, he failed, but, but look what he did. And I, and I sit there and as he stands on this mountain, he can see the promised land. He can see it. But because of sin, he can't go into it. Can you, I, can you imagine the regret of everything as he stands there? Can you, can you imagine the hatred for his sin? We get so flippant with our sin. Can you imagine he stands there and he says, oh, I wish I'd have never done it. Oh, I wish I could take it back. Oh, I wish I had that day over again. And I imagine he hates his sin. And as he stands there and he sees the promised land, can you imagine the, the regret? He can see it. But because of his sin, he can't go in. Verse five. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. He died. Born, put in the Nile River, counted as a friend of God, talked to him as a friend, led his people there to the cusp of the promised land. And having seen the promise, he's not able to receive that promise and he dies in the land of of Moab. Moses dies. Verse 6. And he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab. I don't know. That's, that's terribly sad to me. And he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no man knows his burial place to this day. Notice it says in verse 6. And he buried him. You know what that's talking about? God buried him. He shows him this scene. He shows him the, the promised land. And he dies in the land, the, the plain there of Moab, this pagan land. And the nation doesn't bury him. The priests of the nation don't bury him. The elders of the nation do not bury him. His friends don't gather up and bury him. God himself buries Moses. Verse 8. So the sons of Israel, Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab. 30 days, then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. Verse 10, since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew Face to face. God's word says there's never been another. There's been, some, there's been some prophets, yes. There's been some great men, yes. But God's own testimonies, there's never been another like Moses. Life is hard, isn't it? Life, life is hard to understand. I don't, I don't understand this. I, I can think of a better ending than this. It's, it's not going to be the one that's, that we're going to see, and it's going to be much better, but I, life's hard to understand. You ever wonder why I don't, I don't understand the timing of that? I don't understand how this ever happened. I'm not sure why God allowed this, and I don't know what brought this on. Life is hard to understand. You know what? Life sometimes is very sad. You sit, and we laugh, and we fake it, and we do all these things, but sometimes when you're at home at night, and it's dark, and you're, and you're filled with the regret of days you wish had never happened, and things you wish you'd never done, and days you could wish you'd go back to, and life is just terribly sad. 
It's hard to understand. But I want you to be very sure today as we wrap this up. This isn't the end of Moses. The New Testament book of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11, it tells of the faith of Moses. There's seven verses there in that chapter all talking of the faith of Moses, bragging on the faith of Moses. I want you to be very sure today, this is not the end of Moses. Listen very carefully today. Do you, listen, do you know where Moses is at right now? Do you know where Moses is at right now? It's not on Mount Nebo looking into a place that he can't ever get to. It's not on Mount Nebo standing there in regret, wishing he'd never done those things. It's not somewhere in a grave in Moab trying to get out of that grave. It's not somewhere in a desert as the sands of time blow over him. Listen to me today. Moses is with God today, not because he was good, not because he did anything to earn it, but because he has a Savior in Jesus Christ. He is in the glory of God and the God that called him friend because of Jesus. I asked when I started, what's the greatest thing about Moses? When I wrap this up, I want to tell you what the greatest thing is. You know what it is? It's Jesus. It's his savior. It's his hope. Do you know in a lot of ways, we're like Moses we say, well, I've never seen that or I've never done that. I'm telling you, in a lot of ways, we're like Moses. In that, there is a promised land. And due to sin, you can never enter that promised land. You might see it. You might hear of it. You might turn to the back of this Bible and hear the description of it. But you can't get to that promised land because of your sin except for Jesus. And today we stand in the regret of our sin and we think, oh, if I, could, if I could go back, if I could try that again, I would do it differently. But I want to tell you, our hope is not in that. That's not ever going to happen. Our hope is in Jesus. The hope of Abraham is Jesus. The hope of Moses is Jesus. The hope of every man sitting in this lunch today is our Savior, Jesus. The best thing is Jesus. Go with me, the Lord, in prayer. Dear Father, we come today, and I'm so thankful that you see us and you know us and you know our minds, you know our hearts. You know where we sinned, you know where we failed, you know where we went the wrong way. We did it deliberately. And yet you love us and you don't write us off. You forgive us in Christ. You restore us. You renew us. And though we can stand and look into the, into the promised land and see the promise of God, Though we can never get there because of our sin, you've made a way in Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm thankful for the hope of Moses. I'm, hopeful for the thank, I'm thankful for the hope of all mankind, our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray for somebody here that doesn't know him. I pray that today that their eyes would turn to our Savior, that today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray for us here that profess faith in Jesus. I pray that we would understand the holiness of God. I pray that we would see our sinfulness and I pray that that would show us and, and, and bring to mind, put in our eyesight the grace of God shown to us through Jesus. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.